Today's episode of that song from that movie is coming up after these messages. Rooster Bat is where it's at. Oh, he's all that, and that's a fact, you know it. He's the king of the podcasting thing. Hey, freaks and geeks. This is the Rooster Bat Show. Thank you for listening. Boom. got not one not two but three songs four songs three songs a number of songs from slumdog millionaire for us to talk about on today's that song from that movie to infinity and beyond Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey for the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. I am your 20 million rupees host, Dietrich, and we're joined today by a phone a friend, Alex. Oh, I'd like to be a phone a friend. No one's ever called me. Do you know how much 20 million rupees is now? Uh, 20p. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why would that be in the... I thought you were saying I think it's, it I think it's roughly like $200,000. So I guess that was the equivalent to a million at one point. It's mad. Are you doing, like, foreign currency exchange? I just saw a trivia question about it. Don't at me. And we're also joined by a 50-50, Ben. I don't know the words of that song. <laughs> <laughs> is that the second week in a row that Lamar's going to mention? Yeah, it is actually, yeah. yeah. Although saying that, it was supposed to be who wants to be a millionaire related. 50-50 <laughs> was often the one you went for first, wasn't it? It was the worthless lifeline. Yeah, they'd always get you to talk through it first. I swear, always on purpose, they picked the one that you think, oh, I think it could be A or D. Yeah, well, I wonder exactly. what's going to be left. If I was going to use that lifeline, I would not say what I thought. No, or I would pick no. one I know it wasn't. Yeah. Or get someone to cough in the background. <laughs> did you guys watch the TV show about that? Quick? Yeah, I did, actually. It was, yeah. so, it was so good, I thought. Yeah. It was, it was really fascinating. I did not watch it. I would recommend it. It was really good. Part of my research for this. Watch any movies? Today? Not today. Well, I mean, I might watch them today. This week, I mean. <sighs> I'm trying to think if I have. Could this be two weeks in a row and I've not watched anything? Oh, okay. No, I swear I have. I swear I have. Letting the team down. I f- we finished watching that Blind Manor, so I'm trying to think. I must have done. And you were berating Dietrich. I have done. Uh, Honey Boy. I watched Honey Boy. That, does, that sounds made up. The Shia LaBeouf film. You were just looking at things on your table. Oh, there's honey yeah. there. <laughs> Some reason I've got a boy, boy. But I'm still from the sea. Oh, thank God it's a B U O Y boy. That's a good film. But did you actually watch it? I did, yes, I promise I did. <laughs> what about you, Alex? Uh, I watched the only film I watched this week was the night before Christmas. A nice Christmas movie? Yeah. Or is it a Halloween movie? It's, it's one to watch in the late November time. But that's after Halloween. Although I suppose the film is set after Halloween. But then it's in between. But it's still the day after Halloween, isn't it? It starts the day afterwards. But then it goes to Christmas. Yeah, I suppose you should really watch it between Halloween and Christmas. I don't think we should stick to watching films when they are set. <laughs> <laughs> because we'd struggle. Historical biopics would not work out well. <laughs> you could do it by season. So you could like, well, this film is set in autumn. I could watch it then. You don't have to like teleport yourself like back to 1976 to watch Rocky or whatever. What if it's on a different planet? Then you have to calculate what that planet's seasons are. Oh, right. Smart. Okay. That's a better Smart. answer than expected. <laughs> <laughs> He's put some thought into this, Alex. And I didn't even think about it for once. I just knew it just made sense. Straight off the top of my head. 
Well, I watched a film last night, and it's called The Greatest Showman. Or to give it its <laughs> correct title, This is The Greatest Showman. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not wrong. It is The Greatest Show. Yeah. It's a weird film. Is it the first time you've seen it? Oh, uh, yeah, I'd never seen what? it before. <laughs> <laughs> Missed out on the uh, once-in-a-lifetime cultural phenomenon that is. Have you listened to the soundtrack non-stop since? I have not listened to it once since. The James Arthur version? No, not, not not The Great Show Reimagined. Um, no one's listening to that. Well, half the film I was going, oh, I recognise this song. I didn't realise this was from this. I didn't realise this song was from The Great Showman. Just like every single time a song started, other than This Is Me and obviously The Great Show. What was your favourite song? Um, is it boring just to go with like the main song? No, because it probably is. Yeah, especially the Panic! at the Disco version. Oh, so we do like the other versions. I, I do like the Panic! at the Disco one. I do associate it with wrestling. Sorry, guys. Brendan Urie does like doing a cover of a musical. Yeah, because he did Into the Unknown, didn't he? He did indeed. Do you think when they were thinking, who should we get to sing this song, they just went, his outfit looks like what Panic! at the Disco wear? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were just going to say, oh, Brendan Urie stood next to us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brendan, do you know anyone good? <laughs> this is my shot. Who let him in? Did somebody not close the damn door? <laughs> yeah, basically. He's just hanging around the uh, recording studios. That's why he keeps getting these gigs. I, I, I enjoyed the reference. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but the Panic at the Disco also did a version of This is Halloween from Nightmare Before Christmas. Do they have any original songs? <laughs> in terms of the actual film, though, I thought it was a very strange film. Yeah. And one thing I kept finding very strange is how much terrible CGI was in the film. There is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like every time there's like a backdrop, if you're trying to make it like a play, why don't you just have painted backgrounds? Why do you need to have this sort of like weird, the lights coming from the wrong direction, CGI background? Mm. What about where he steals an elephant at the end? Yeah. <laughs> mm, I can forgive that because I, I don't really oh, want them using you? actual elephants. He also goes to, yeah. to meet Queen Victoria at one point. <laughs> he also doesn't understand the exposition in a lot of the songs when it's going on around him. <laughs> <laughs> Read between the lines, Hugh. The narrative of the film is very weak, isn't it? <laughs> it's incredibly weak. <laughs> what narrative? <laughs> what narrative? Song, it's literally like this amazing collection of songs. Let's put them in a film and see what happens. That's how it felt. Throwing a bit of Zach, a bit of Zendaya. <laughs> yeah. You cut yourself as a hit. <laughs> I did notice in one of the scenes that the bearded lady's moustache disappeared between shots. <laughs> well, she's a bearded lady. Not a moustache. Yeah, maybe she shaved off the moustache. Yeah. What? Like in the same scene, she managed to. That's a one-minute moustache. <laughs> what you missed is just behind her on the table for some shaving foam. It's supposed to be a sort of nod to the fact that she shaves. You've got to think about these things when you're watching. Yeah, it's on me. I'm sorry. So today's episode is the songs of Slumdog Millionaire. And to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out, over to you, Ben. Yes, so technically, technically... This film came out in 2008. However, it didn't come out in the UK until January 2009. And so that's what I'm doing. That's what counts. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, I don't have any figures or statistics from other countries. Oh, no. Wait, I do. Never mind. Anyway, 2009. Oh, my voice broke then. 2009. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your voice probably broke in 2009. <laughs> I don't think it did because it's broke in October 2020. Right. January 2009. <laughs> The Bitcoin network is created as the first block of digital currency is mined by a person or group of people using the name Satoshi Nakamoto. So we have Bitcoin and then now we have how many different variations? Dogecoin? That's the only other one I know. <laughs> I don't know anymore. You're asking the wrong person. Eh? In other more famous news. Wait, is that... I'm going to... One second. I've got to take this as a typo because otherwise I'm about to butcher this guy's name. <laughs> Tom Cruise. No, it is actually his name. Never mind. <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> Is this the real Tom Cruise? <laughs> Chesley Sullenberger 
aka Sully, lands the US Airways Flight 1549 on the Hudson River shortly after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport in New York City. So yeah, people are aware of this and of the film Sully. So all passengers and crew... That's the one with Tom Hanks, right? Not the one with Denzel Washington. Uh, No, that's Flight, isn't it? Which is the one where he flies the plane upside down, is that Denzel Washington? I think so. I'm pretty sure that didn't happen in the real life. (laughs) (laughs) Hollywood has grossly exaggerated this thing. But yeah, all passengers and crew members survived in what was dubbed the Miracle on the Hudson. Which, I don't know why they didn't name the film that. Yeah, that is about it. Sully isn't the most eye-catching of titles. Yeah, because you just think it's like another spin-off to Monsters, Inc. I mean, that's why I went to see it. (laughs) I mean, Tom Hanks was in Toy Story, not Monsters, Inc. And then from that point on, you realised it was the wrong (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just watching very sort of shocking flight scenes and just wondering, when's the door going to open? Where are the monsters? Well, the screaming. Who's not collecting these screams? <laughs> In lighter news, and better news when we think back, President Barack Obama became the 44th US president and the first of African-American descent. Those were happier times, weren't they, guys? They certainly were. Certainly were, as I look off into the distance and a tear comes to my eye. It ain't even my country. <laughs> and as we go on to what we're talking about today, because January 2009... It was a slow news month. Slumdog Millionaire began what would be a clean sweep in award season. It took home four awards, including Best Picture at the 66th Golden Globes, because everyone cares about the Golden Globes. Again, I look off into the distance. (laughs) You only care about Golden Globes when there's no Oscars to talk about. Yes, but there is, and I did it anyway. (gasps) I mean, it just annoys me. Why do you break things up into, what is it, comedy and musical? Oh, who yeah, who, groups, who yeah. groups those things together? Yeah, can you not have a dramatic musical? <laughs> no, yeah, well, I, think, I don't think you have to be both. You just have to be one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's been grouped together with... <laughs> it's a good way to win it. Yeah. Could you win it twice? <laughs> yeah, could you win it twice? Best drama, yeah, best music. Yeah, best dramedy. Best dramedy musical. As we're discussing, Slumdog Millionaire is a British Indian drama directed by Danny Boyle and starring the likes of Dev Patel, Frida Pinto and Indian cinematic legend, the late Irfan Khan. The film is based loosely on the novel Q&A by author Vikas Swarup and Slumdog Millionaire chronicles the trials and tribulations of 18-year-old Jamal Malik, a boy from the slums of Mumbai who finds his way onto the Indian version of the hit TV show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? where his life experiences inexplicably help him through the game. So, before we go on to talk about it, have you guys seen the film? And if so, what do you think? I have seen it. Um, I think it was interesting, because I remember at the time when it came out, obviously, the the first thing that really caught my eye was the fact that it won. Was it nine? But that was, like, the most since Lord of the Rings, which I think obviously won 11. And it's like, well, what is this film? Why is it it won, like, pretty much every single award it was nominated for? And then you watch it thinking, sure, it can't be as good as that. And then it actually is. And then you go, oh, yeah. (laughs) It was justified in winning all those awards. Because I think it's really good. I think it's sort of, it's very epic, obviously, in terms of the scale, because it goes from very young to sort of 18. It follows him throughout, like, all of India. He seems to just, like, be going everywhere. Like, there's a bar that's just at the Taj Mahal. I don't don't really know what the film's supposed to be saying. (laughs) (laughs) I think, obviously, music does play a strong part in it, which we'll come on to later. Definitely. But it deserved all the plaudits it got. I mean, I've only seen it that one time, to be fair. I was supposed to watch it again, but when we were doing our run of Best Picture winners, but... We never got as far as 2009. (laughs) I think we got to about 2006 and stopped. Lovely. Dee, what do you think? So I have a weird stance on this. Okay. So I have definitely seen this film. And I don't mean this in a sort of like, haha, Casablanca episode kind of way. I mean, I've watched this film with my eyes. (laughs) I watched it at my wife's parents' house with them. And I remember watching it and thinking, that was all right. And when I was reading the other day what this film was, just to make sure I had it refresh my memory, I was going, I don't remember a single thing about this entire film. (laughs) So I read the entire Wikipedia plot summary 
and was going, did I watch this film? I remember watching it, but why don't I remember any like scene or any character? <laughs> it's just, it clearly, it just passed me by. I actually, I know you mean a little bit, Dee, because I was refreshing on it as well yesterday. I kind of really re- vaguely remember there was like a gangster element to it. But I, I, that kind of like, it had, I had sort of forgotten all that kind of stuff. And it seemed to make a big deal out of that on the plot synopsis. I was like, what's this big part of the film? But I think it seems to be that it was. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I have seen it. I remember thinking it was pretty good, but clearly it hasn't made a lasting impression on me. No, and I think reading online, that seems to be not necessarily the common theme, but there seems to be a lot of people who saw it when it came out, loved it, and it doesn't seem to have had the the longevity for how much it tore up awards season and the box office. It did so well, but it doesn't seem to have had that long-lasting effect. I mean, when, I know we're only talking 12, 11 years, but I think it seems to be quite consistent that, because I, I really liked it when I saw it, but I never consider it like one of my favourite films or, you know, even on my pretentious long list of films that I like. It's not on there. But then I watched it again, I think about maybe about five months ago. And yeah, I really liked it again. So I wonder why. I wonder why that is. As I look off into the distance again. <laughs> I can't really put my finger on why, but I, I sort of do relate with it. When we were sort of coming around to watching it again for our list, I was kind of, I was, it was one of those ones where I was like, well, I've seen it, and I feel like I've got everything from it. But it's probably not true, because like you said, I bet it does hold up to a repeat viewing, because I do remember it being very good. Yeah. So there's just something that just didn't really pull me to want to watch it again, and maybe that's what people have the same sort of reaction because they thought it was really good when they first saw it. I feel like they're probably not going to get anything more from it, so they're going back to it. Yeah. Maybe that's why it hasn't held up in sort of in terms of people repeat viewing it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, just some more sort of information. So I looked it up, Alex. It won eight Academy Awards, uh-huh. seven BAFTAs, and four Golden Globes. Some of the Academy Awards included Best Picture, Best Director for Danny Boyle, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Cinematography. It was on, and I looked at it at the time in the 2008 or 2009, depending on where you were. It was on a lot of top 10 critics lists. You know, sometimes it was number two, three, never quite grabbing that number one spot. It had a budget of $15 million and it made $378 million. I mean, that's that's huge. It's a lot of <laughs> I'm surprised it only cost $15 million, to be honest. But it's probably partly down to the cast, for one thing, because they don't have a lot of big 100%. names there. And I know that they got some people from sort of the area where they were filming yeah, to play they the did. children roles, didn't they? Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing they didn't have a big outlay in that area in terms of paying. Yeah, you can definitely tell the child actors are not actually like full-time child actors because when you see their names in the credits, they don't have stage names. Yeah, that's true. You have like Dev Patel and then you'll have two more names that are like triple barrels at least because it's just their actual name. Yeah, no, definitely. And I've seen this fact batted around a lot on the internet and I don't know if it's 100% true, but apparently some of the producers and Danny Boyle, the money that the children earned from the film he put into like a like a nest egg and like kind of like it, it was added to over time for them to access once they were i think it was either 16 or 18 um and they all got like given education because of their role in the film they got like taxied to school to make sure they went things like this hopefully if that's true and i you know i'd like to think it is that's a pretty good impact from the film and it does seem like there was quite a few of these stories even though the film has had some sort of backlash um, i might talk about that in a bit it does seem to have had quite a nice effect but yes, one of the awards that it also won quite a lot of was in the soundtrack category. And the soundtrack was composed by Indian composer and producer A.R. Rahman. He is nicknamed the Mozart of Madras, which is a great nickname. I, I like that. <laughs> I don't know if he gave it to himself, <laughs> but it's a great one. <laughs> that make, if he did, that makes it all the better. <laughs> yeah, and he won the award at all three events mentioned. So he won it at the Oscars, the BAFTAs and the Golden Globes. 
Danny Boyle said he picked him because he blended well Indian classical music and R&B influences, which he felt would reach all audiences. I guess that's what you're trying to do for a film like that. It always see British Indian film, and I think it was quite interesting, the credits. It does seem like it was quite a mixed group, not just in the cast, but the production team. Again, you hope that's how film should be made when they're just not, you know, these overseas things and not just an Americanized version. Again, as I look off through the window. Before we go on to discuss what is most likely the key song from the film, it's worth giving a nod to two others in particular from the soundtrack, one of which was also nominated for Best Song that year, in 2009. The song was Oh Sire, written by A.R. Rahman and British producer M.I.A. Now, before I go on to talk about this, and I know I, I told you guys to listen to this, did you know this song before I told you to listen to it? No. No, I didn't know. 100%. No. Yeah, I 100% agreed. After listening to it, what do you think? And if you remember it or have seen it, it's the scene that it's in in the film, what did you think of that? So this was the only song where I mentioned it and I just could not remember what the song was or where it was in the film. No memory of it. It's a weird sort of song of two halves mm-hmm. is the way I'd describe it. The first half is nothing. It doesn't, it's not really, It's a sort of background music. And then the second half is a sort of weird MIA rap, which I think is completely out of place. Because I watched the scene in the film where it's, and I didn't think it fit there either. It was almost like she suddenly started talking whilst there was a scene going on. Yep. I thought it was very weird. I don't know about you, Alex. Well, I couldn't, I tried to find the scene, but I couldn't actually find the video for some reason of, of where it featured in the film. I kind of liked the song, actually, but this is only in comparison to the song we'll come to speak about later. In the sense that this one... Like how secret we're being about that. <laughs> what, what is that song? <laughs> but I kind of liked that it sort of had a bit of an industrial sound. Like it sort of was a bit... And I saw a few comments on the YouTube. On the YouTube. And a lot of people were saying it sort of was reminiscent of like trains running through Indian, running through Mumbai. And I kind of did get that. It sort of... The sound in the background was a bit like that. That links more to the story to me than Jai Ho, for instance. It has like more of a... Which I've mentioned now, sorry guys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said it out, edit it out. Has much more of like a grounded, realist, grungy sort of sound. And I don't know, I just, I just think it kind of ties in more with the film. The other songs did well. The other MIA song, which again, I don't know if you're going to mention as well, I think it similarly links well. So I kind of I kind of liked it. I kind of saw why it was chosen as the other song to be nominated. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I, I liked listening to it, but I'm still quite surprised that that song was picked for a best original song at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah I am too. You know, especially from that you've already got a song, Jai Ho, which we were going to talk about that's already nominated. <laughs> it seems weird to throw in another. It did seem odd when I found that out. Yeah. I, I, I read that as well, and I was like, that's unusual, because one, I never heard of it. <laughs> and two, it just it seems weird that two songs for one film, you don't often see that, do you? It's usually a musical if yes. it's going to have two songs yeah. from one film. There's nothing wrong with it, but it just seems weird. And I think what I like about it is that it, it feels like quite a kinetic song. Like There's a lot of movement, and it's quite fast-paced, mm. and I think it's matched in the scene that it's in. But also, I think, on the whole, Slumdog is quite like that. Like, across the runtime, it moves at a very good pace. Jai Ho, as we're going to speak about, I think also captures that for various other reasons as well. But yeah, it does seem like it holds a lot of energy, and I think that comes out a lot in the film and how it, Danny Boyle films it. Had you guys heard of M.I.A. before? Yeah. Yeah, you had. Yeah. Probably for the one song that she is known for. Yes. Any other? I assume it's the one we're about to talk about. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> M.I.A.'s real name is, and I apologise if I butcher this, Matangi Arul Pragasam. That's uh, what I've heard it's been said. Said she was a big fan of A.R. Raman because of her Sri Lankan heritage. So she's English Sri Lankan. I think Raman performed this song at the Oscars as well as Jai Ho. 
So they were clearly squeezing him dry for their performances at the Oscars that year. We'll go on to speak about the more famous M.I.A. song, which is also in this film, which is Paper Planes. Now, Paper Planes was written by M.I.A. and famous American DJ, I say famous, Diplo. People are aware, yes. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Good. It's not just me. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm cool, Ben. Come on. Well, you know, this this was our era, wasn't it? 2009. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Now, this song came out before the film, so it's not an original song, as I feel like if it was, it would have been nominated, because it's a great song. I really do like this song. And I feel like it almost captures this period, because 2009, we're like 18. I feel like this was on a lot of places when we were out on a Saturday night, wistfully running around. I've put this in my notes. I've put, being a nearly 30-year-old white British man, this song was everywhere when I was 18 and 19 years old. Yep. yep. I was covered in acne, loose-fitting clothing, as was the style at the time, <laughs> and singing this song whilst drunk. <laughs> the dance floor was a sea of hormones doing finger guns, thinking they're cool. 100%. This is how I met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, please tell me this song was like your first dance or something. You were at my wedding. No, I didn't mean at the wedding. I meant like together, you know, like when you first met. Doing finger guns at each other. <laughs> it's a better song. I'm on a boat by Little Wow. <laughs> wow. So yeah, D, we know your opinion of this song. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, very much the same. I do remember it fondly. I don't really know the words to the uh, verses, but I do <laughs> yeah. know the, uh, the chorus. <laughs> well, I can't remember if it's the lyrics or the... Beat, but it's actually a sort of a mashup of a Clash song. Is it? Yeah, I do, it? yeah, exactly. That my, that was my reaction. I meant to listen to it this morning, but I'd completely forgot. So I'm going to have to follow that up. And audience, I ask you to do the same. I'm assuming it's not the lyrics, but it, there must be something of the song. Only maybe it's the chorus. To be fair, maybe the chorus lyrics. I don't know. What is the song? Um, I'd have to, like I say, off the top of my head. Uh, I want to find out another. Just insert some elevator music here. So the the song is an inter interpolation of an English rock band, The Clash's 1982 song "Straight to Hell." So you can tell I read that straight from Wikipedia by English rock band, The Clash. Yeah, the song "Straight to Hell." So yeah, I'll have to go and listen to that. What I do like about this song is how it's used in the movie. I really like that montage, children stealing, like when they're on the train. Yeah. I think it's just a really cool montage to put to that song. It just sort of all fits very nicely and neatly. It's really well used. I don't know if Danny Boyle's got a habit of this. The train spoiling soundtrack's great. But yeah, it just feels like it really captures it well. And yeah, 100%, I think it's, it's really well used in the film. Yeah. It was also in um, Pineapple Express, I think just before this film came out. No, oh, yeah. It was like a sleeper hit in America. But then I think after these two films, I think it got to number four in the Billboard Hot 100. I think it only got to number 19 over here. But yeah, I mean, it became a huge song. I think it's, you know, it is one of the biggest songs of that decade, probably. What's that sound that you hear? Of course, it's my Idiots at Genius segment, the best segment of this podcast. Right, guys? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you're just going to edit us out whatever we say anyway. <laughs> it's going to edit in. It's my favourite part. <laughs> <laughs> so, the lyric from Paper Planes. Sometimes I think sitting on trains, every stop I get to, I'm clocking that game. Let's see what they think of that. MIA has her business locked down at every area of a particular train line, building her quite the reputation. <laughs> <laughs> Who writes these things? So yeah, the reason Osea did not win the Oscar for Best Original Song was because it lost out to another song from Slumdog Millionaire. Shock. <laughs> that song was Jai Ho. I bet you didn't know, did you? Pause for a shock. <laughs> 
<laughs> you sound like you're in a seizure. Before we break this one down, what do people think of this song? You must have known this one before I asked you to listen to it. Or did you? <laughs> Which version are we talking about? The one that won the Oscar. So the normal version, I would say, has become one of the two songs in the Western world. They're like go-to staples for this movie is about India. Here is all the Indian music we know. It's this song. And also, apologize if I get this pronunciation wrong. Mundian Tubekke. Do you recognize that name? No, but please sing no. it for us. I'm not going to sing it because I don't know any of the words. But it's the one. It sounds like Night Rider. Oh, really? Yes. I thought you were going to say Punjabi MC. It is Punjabi MC. It is Punjabi MC. Oh, so I do know the song then. See? I do know that song. You're right. You're not from India. You know that song? No, it's true. Yeah, it is. Well, it has had a huge, massive sort of impact. Alex, what do you think of the song? The original? I think in my notes, what I had was kind of a comparison between this one and the Osaya one, because they were the two that were nominated. Obviously, this appears in the end credits, doesn't it? It's like the sort of final scene merges into end credits. Yeah. It feels like it's a nod to sort of like classic Bollywood films. I think most people would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. It feels sort of a little bit out of place in the sense that the rest of the film isn't like that. And I think that Osai fits in more with what the rest of the film is. But I do kind of like that it is also there because it, it brings like quite a joyous, cheerful, happy ending to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it just it gives you that sort of feeling of cheer at the end of the film which is a nice touch and it, and i think as well from the footage of them in the credits they all seem to be having a lovely time <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. Do you that's know true. it looks like they're having a great time <laughs> so that puts a smile on your face as well so i think it's just it's just a really nice perfect way to end what is quite yeah. a great film anyway yeah i think it's i think you know it's, it's good i mean i don't know it as well as the other version but, <laughs> but... <laughs> no probably not And yes, I think because of the, I guess, Indian cinema isn't all Bollywood, but because Bollywood is such a big part of Indian cinema, it is a nod to that. And because you couldn't do that in an English film, you couldn't have a, you know, a lighthearted sort of Hollywood drama and then just have a musical number on the end in a non-comedic sense. There's no way you could get away with that. But it works really well for here. And Western audiences accept it because, you know, they just kind of attribute it rightfully or wrongly to Indian cinema. Yeah, But yeah, I think for an audience that isn't used to that, I think that they would embrace it because, you know, and they do because of this song. And it is a great song. It's a bang. It is. It is a great song. So yeah, the song features vocals from Indian singers Tanvi Shah, as well as credits to Sukhwinder Singh, Vijay Prakash and Mahalakshmi Ayer. Tanvi Shah does the English lyrics for the song, but it actually has multiple languages in it, which I, I didn't realise at first, and then just only trying to listen to it really closely, do you notice it? So there's English, Spanish, Hindu, Urdu, and Punjabi. Big old sort of celebration, amalgamation of different cultures and styles of singing. And Jai Ho literally translates to Let Victory Prevail. So I think similar to what you were saying, Alex, it is basically a victory dance. You know, it is that celebration of what's happened. Yeah, so alongside its Oscar, the song also won a Grammy for Best Song Written for a Motion Picture, Television or Other Visual Media, because the Grammy has so many different kinds of awards, as we've already stated. That's such a classic Grammy. It's such a classic Grammy. And it was also the official campaign song for the Indian National Congress during the 2009 election. So they embraced it as well. But as we have alluded to, (laughs) much of the longevity and widespread familiarity with this song must be credited in part to its English adaptation recorded by American girl group The Pussycat Dolls for their second and last studio album, Doll Domination. Have they not done a new album? Sorry, Ben, to cut you off there, but I'm sure they've got a new album out now. Oh, have they just got a, have they got a new album out now? I 
think so. Maybe. Maybe in the last year or so. They have a new song out, but it looks like it's not on an album yet, uh, at least. There you go. Travesty. It's taken a long time for Scars to heal, which we will go on to. Get them another album. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's jump to the most obvious and pertinent question. Alex, who's your favourite pussycat doll? Mercedes. D. Um, Nicole. <laughs> Could you name many others, D? <sighs> Ashley Roberts. She was on Art and Deck. So, yeah, Ashley yep, Roberts. Yep. I only said Mercedes because that's the only other one I knew the name. Although I think there might be one called Kim something. Ash. Alex, I'm looking on the I'm looking at the list and there isn't one called Mercedes. <laughs> oh, Melody. Melody. Is it Melody? Uh, there is Melody, yeah. Melody, Melody. Thornton. Sorry. Not Mercedes. Who's Mercedes? <laughs> From Holly Oaks. <laughs> So yeah, now that that's out of the way, the important thing, what do you think of this version of the song? It was also produced and made with ARM, and so it wasn't just a, you know, a terrible sort of stealing or anything. But what do you think of this song? I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievably catchy. I mean, you can't deny that. I'm just not sure about it. I, I feel like this was my, actually the first, my first introduction to this film. When did the song come out? Was it not long after the film? Yeah, not long after it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to note, like, I don't know if you've got notes on it, like how the song came about, but yeah. I'd like to know if the, the people who made the film, e.g. Danny Boyle and the production and the producers and things, whether they sanctioned this cover. I mean, obviously it helps the film, but it, it I don't think it adds enough to it to make it different. It, I li- when I listened to both versions earlier, the only difference is obviously the, the full English lyrics. The main thing of the song, the Jai Hobbit, is exactly the same. In, in fact, I think it's the same guy singing it. It sounds identical. And he's in yes. the Pussycat Dolls video wearing his suit, just appearing every now and again. And oh, well, that's it. probably A.R. Rahman, then, if it is him. Maybe it is A.R. Rahman. But yeah, I, I guess I, I enjoyed the song in the same sense I enjoyed the original one. But I, I just, I'm not positive of the need of it, other than a bit of a... Yeah. It's just it's just odd, really, isn't it? I don't really get it. This song is the perfect example of a late noughties pop song. It's American, it's sexualized, and it's all wrapped up in a little package influenced by somebody else's culture. (laughs) The biggest shock of this song, by far, is that Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305 Pitbull, is not involved. (laughs) It's his bread and butter. How is he not there? I feel like it maybe just just predated Pitbull. I I feel like Pitbull was maybe like 2010. All right, let me rephrase that. The biggest shock of this song is that Timberland was not (laughs) on this song. (laughs) I knew you were going to say Timberland. Would it have worked with the... uh, eh, eh, eh. At the end. Yeah, Wait, but it, to be fair, it would have been Timberland featuring Pussycat Dolls, though, because of that important contribution. Featuring Nicole Scherzinger. Yes, well, that will go on to that. But yes, this version of the song was called Jai Ho, in brackets, You Are My Destiny. The song was written in collaboration. I think a few, quite, there was quite a lot of different people involved, way too many to give credit to, and I don't care. But an important part was that A.R. Rahman and Nicole Scherzinger sort of did a lot of the collaboration and did a lot of video calls between each other to sort of get this while they were recording it. So I think they recorded it separately, but just kind of worked quite closely together. But predominantly Nicole Scherzinger. Because of her involvement, she was given her own billing in the song. I noticed that earlier, that it was like Pussycat Dolls featuring Nicole Scherzinger. Yeah, how weird is that? <laughs> but A.R. Rahman gave that, so they took it. So it is Jai Ho, in brackets, You Are My Destiny, by the Pussycat Dolls featuring Nicole Scherzinger. But, I mean, because of that, apparently that started this tension within the group, hence why they didn't last much longer. Uh, I think they disbanded in 2010, and the world was worse off. It was weird when I saw that in the credits for the song, because I was just like, I don't understand, unless someone made an error, but it was the official video that I was watching, I was like, yep, I don't get it. Yep. Let's be honest, did anyone other than Nicole Scherzinger sing in the Pussycat Dolls? Did yeah, she even need to melody. be in that group? Melody? No. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, AR Rahman was a more prominent pussycat doll than the rest of them. <laughs> or Will I Am in that song that they do with Will I Am. Beep. It's very obvious in these groups that there's one singer that is doing most of the work, doing most of the heavy lifting. But you don't, you don't admit it. <laughs> no. If you work on this too much, this is what leads to Brian McFadden leaving. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> it was the first one that came to mind. I was thinking about like Wham. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but this version of the song also received critical acclaim. So as well as doing quite well, it was, you know, in the top charts across the world. Critics liked the song. They thought it lended well, as Dee has adequately pointed out, even though he was slightly mocking it. People seem to like this. They like this. And more people know this version than they do the original. Absolutely. Understandably, because of the English lyrics. You know, some people do think this is the version that is on the film. Cough, cough. Yep, that was me. <laughs> Guilty. Can we talk about the video? Yes, go Dee. You can talk about the video. So first of all, this is every dad's favourite band performing in their, their favourite music video. It will admit it, it don't even like that kind of stuff, but it is. Alex, is this true? <laughs> Not this particular video, but definitely this band. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, Maura Button's video kind of guy. As soon as your child was born, did you have to update your Facebook profile to be Pussycat Dolls, which is your favourite band? Yeah, but we call them PDC. Okay, of course, yeah. But my actual point here is, don't you think that Nicole Scherzinger's red dot is borderline racist? I thought it was pushing the buttons in the way of cultural appropriation. I was thinking it's a bit appropriation, this video. Yeah. I don't know whether they would get away with it. It sort of does feel like they're wearing, she's not exactly white, that's fine. I don't know what Nicole Scherzinger's heritage is. I looked into it, she's heritage Filipino. Yeah. Which I'm sure to a lot of American producers are like, that's close enough, right? We have we have learnt this from other films, so yes, probably. I agree with Alex, I think you, there'd be a lot of murmurings around the uh, decision tables about whether this would get a lot of backlash. Again, probably just showing how fast times have changed, 10 years. Yeah, definitely. But not so much that the Pussycat Dolls don't exist, because they reunited in 2019. And apparently, dads were rejoicing everywhere. <laughs> quietly. <laughs> they don't want the wives to be Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quietly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Silently Just rejoicing. Cushion over, over his lap. <laughs> <laughs> no tea. Top five. Now for this week, I wanted to do something different. Mainly because Slumdog Millionaire. It has a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire segment. Now, a lot of the questions that are early and that are supposed to be easy would be impossible for us because they're very ethnocentric. They're very designed for an Indian audience. But the last five, we should know. Or should we? So, I'm going to ask you the last five questions that Jamal is asked. I want to know if you get them right and win 20 million rupees, or as modern day equates that to $200,000. So, here's the first question for us. On an American $100 bill, there is a portrait of which American statesman? Is it A, George Washington, B, Benjamin Franklin, C, Franklin Roosevelt, or D, A, Lincoln? I think it's Ben Franklin. D, I don't know if you want to come in on this. This is one of those. This is one of those charity events where it's two people in the hot seat. George Washington is the one dollar bill. I'm pretty confident about that. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I think I I the ten dollar bill is Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. I agree with you. Let's go with that. Lock it in as our final answer. Yeah, because bringing in the Benjamins, I think that's the thing that people say. Like it's a hundred dollar bill, as you have often said, Alex. Okay, <laughs> lights go down. Benjamin Franklin's right. Next question: Who invented the first commercially successful revolver? Was it A, Samuel Colt, B, Daniel Wesson, C, Oliver Winchester, or D, Thomas Edison? That last one's too out there for it not to be the right answer. Well, there's obviously a Smith and Wesson, and there is a Colt pistol, isn't there? There's also a Winchester. And there's, but Winchester is a rifle, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, it's less yeah. likely to do that. Look at this guy, this guy, millionaires. He's seen Shaun of the Dead. A Smith and Wesson is like a uh, 
sort of cowboy esque gun, isn't it? Like a the cowboy. dirty Harry gun. Colt forty five is a revolver, so let's go with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with that. That's good. I think Samuel Colt is the right answer. Oh, God, <laughs> you're doing well. Look at this. Okay, next question. We should know this, guys. We should know this. Cambridge Circus is in which UK city? Cambridge. A Oxford, B Leeds, C Cambridge, or D London? Right, we're both thinking London. I, I assume so. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's Leeds. <laughs> I don't think well, it's Cambridge. There's actually Piccadilly Circus, isn't there? There's Oxford Circus as well, so it would make sense. That's got to push you because well. we're going to have to do the yeah, lap, yeah, light yeah. things going. We'll go London. Correct answer. My nice. gosh, guys. Look at you guys. You'd have done this even without your life experiences. Next question. Question four for us. Which cricketer has scored the most first class centuries? Fuck. Is it. <laughs> Is it A. Jimmy Bridges? B. Ricky Ponting? C. Jack Hobbs? Or D. Sachin Tendulkar? Right, this is on you, Alex. Oh, oh God, I, I honestly don't know much about cricket. Jimmy Bridges, Ricky Ponting, Jack Hobbs, Sachin Tendulkar. There's all people outside, millions of people around India screaming at their podcast right now, Alex. It, it will be Ricky Ponting. The first name sounds familiar, Bridges. Jimmy it? Bridges, Ricky yeah. Ponting, Jack Hobbs, Sachin Tendulkar. I honestly don't know. Do, do you have any clue? Absolutely no idea. Can we use the lifeline? Yeah, okay, you can ask me. Who is it? Is it Tendulkar? Jack Hobbs. Well done, guys. Jack Hobbs, next yes. one. <laughs> The last question for 20 million rupees. In Alexander Dumas's book, The Three Musketeers, two of the musketeers are called Athos and Porthos. What is the name of the third musketeer? I don't even need is the it... answers for this, Ben, because I know the answer. <laughs> are you doing one of these, these power moves? It's Aramis, isn't it? It's Aramis, yeah. It's Aramis. Yes, that is the last question in the film. And yes, you're right, you have won 20 million rupees. D'Artagnan is one of the options. Dog Tanyan, please. Dog Tanyan. <laughs> You have one who wants to be a millionaire. We did pretty well there, to be fair. Yeah? Yep. When do we expect this money to be on our bank accounts? Um, The same time we get paid on our Patreon. Hint, hint, hint. Right, so let's move on to the ultimate question, which is not the ultimate question this week, because it's one where we have multiple songs, so it's just which is the best song. Alex, you first. Oh, God. I think the actual best song out of all of the ones we discussed is Paper, is paper Planes. <laughs> but in terms of... I, d- I don't know. I know it is in the film, but like you said, it's not an original song for the film, so I'm actually kind of going to discount it, but I think it's the best one. For the film, Probably, I think you'd probably have to say Jaiho, the version in the film, just for the, the pure joy of that final scene. But I do, like I've said, think that the Osaya song kind of fits more with the film and really makes sense along with it. But it's kind of the anachronism of putting that Bollywood song at the end that that really makes it stand out. So I think I'll go for that one. Jaiho, the original version, not Pussy Capitals. Okay. What is the best song? If I just went for, yeah, I guess it's the same as Alex. Paper Planes is the best song. But when I re-listened to Jaiho, the original version, back the other day, and even when I finished watching Slumdog a few months ago, it's the bow at the end of this film. It just works really well. For us, sort of Western audiences, it's a unique ending to a film, I think. It's a, sort of a vibrant reminder of what else you can do in a film. The credits don't have to be the end. You know, you, you always remember different films like Toy Story and stuff that have done stuff differently, you know, and that li- those little um, nods and keep things going. You know, Marvel films doing things after the credits. It's just another way of, of adding something extra to a film. And so I'll go with Jai Ho as well. The original version, not the Puss Kettles. I can only sort of continue this, that my vote is secretly for Paper Planes, but I'm going to go for the normal version of Jai Ho. It just so perfectly encapsulates the entire movie, like the experience. So, yeah, that's Paper Planes wins. I mean, wins. And Jai Ho actually wins. <laughs> so that wraps up another episode of that song from that movie. If you want to help us out, you can do that in three different ways. One, you can follow us on Twitter. What is our Twitter handle, Ben? TSFTMPod. Nice. 
You can share this on a random subreddit. What subreddit is it, Alex? Uh, ooh, the AR Ramen subreddit. It's a popular one. You guys, a big deal. The third and the best way you can help us is by signing up to our Patreon. We've got two tiers. It's only tip jar, so don't worry. We're not going to put anything behind it. Pay a wall. Unless you want us to. But you have to pay us first before we make that decision. A private chat from me to you. If you want me to add that to one of the tiers, like that, I assume you want, <laughs> do you want that in the higher tier? We'll never get any money. Okay, I'll add that to the higher tier. A private chat with Ben once. Like, don't take the piss. <laughs> in brackets. <laughs> don't take the piss. Actually, recurring. Once every year. Christmas morning. Yeah, a Christmas phone call from Ben. Right, okay. One Christmas phone call from Ben is on the higher tier from now on. But not going to be written on there. It's only for us on the podcast if you've really been listening. I don't know why you'd sign up to a Patreon if you haven't been listening to a podcast, but either way. So you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash TSFTM. So what's left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Alex. Bye la, bye la. What's that? <laughs> it's from, from Pussycat Dolls version of the song And it's goodbye from Ben Apparently Carmen Electra is a Pussycat Dolls according to Google What? <laughs> I don't know, you Google Pussycat Doll members Carmen Electra comes up Goodbye everybody Bye Goodbye everyone Bye now, bye now So how are we all today? Yeah, very good. <coughs> that, that wasn't an intentional okay. <laughs> Alex is about to go into a monologue. That's how I am. <laughs> yeah, fine.